And we're back with episode 40-something of Punch Card Investing. It's good to be back. Sorry about last week, everyone. Uh, we, uh, we, had a, we had too many people um, who couldn't make it to, to our, our, uh, our little Friday night or Saturday day meetings, um, depending on where you are in the world. So um, sorry about that. But we're back. And boy, there's been a lot just in the last two weeks that's happened. Uh, we have the obvious crisis in Ukraine. Um, among many other things all over the world and and plenty of companies going through some pain right now with uh, especially in the value space uh, at least when it comes to their stocks um, lots of things to talk about and we'll try to make this maybe a bit more question focused just to hit whatever topics you guys want to hear about because I mean it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to um, narrow things down right now because of how many things are going on so uh, before we get into anything though be sure to smash that like button subscribe. Check out all the stuff in the description below, including an affiliate link that we have to ShareSite. And that's the uh, tracker software that we're using for the punch card portfolio, which has uh, seen better days in its short life. <laughs> and uh, uh, if you guys want to check that out, you can get some some uh, free months when you sign up for a uh, an annual plan. So go ahead and check that out. Um, but let's see. Um, that, should we open up the punch card portfolio? Yeah, should we? That why sounds not? dangerous. Let's embarrass ourselves a little bit. Why not? Open it up with some uh, some humble pie. Well, we're long term. We five year time horizon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a five year time horizon. Oh we're my in goodness! Deep value territory. So. <laughs> oh man, we we looked we looked better days ago. We looked better days ago. Um. All right, here we go. This reaffirms my decision to not check on my portfolio all that often. <laughs> we we had a few that I think uh, wasn't process flat like uh, two weeks ago. I'm pretty sure in this portfolio. Yeah, I have process falling like 35, 40% in the last I, 30 days. So. Uh, Tur- Turtle Beach and Baba were both, I think, around negative 20 to 25%. Um, and Seridage, Seridage is actually way below this. So Seridage just had a great couple of weeks and it's still down 30%. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, KPG pulling weight as per usual. Um, so it's it's been a brutal uh, half year now almost. I think we started this yeah, in October. So we're uh, you guys, pro- we, we, approaching we need six to start months. A, we need to start an insurance company as part of a punch card here so we can invest the float in times like this, right? And lose half of it. <laughs> <laughs> We don't uh, lose money to inflation. We lose it to process. And yeah, we just, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I'm more comfortable with that. Yeah. Yucky. Oh, boy. So, uh, even the currency is trying to pull down like um, KPG, but KPG is just like, nope. Just <laughs> yeah. KPG just keeps uh, trucking ahead. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, first off, if we get any changes, I imagine we will, given all the volatility. Um, I'm assuming we'll have a bit of a shakeup at some point with the portfolio. We were thinking about um, uh, Facebook slash Meta, which we had a vote on a while back, and mm-hmm. the price continues to fall, albeit a lot slower than before. Um, and that could get into our our kind of group wheelhouse price, uh, perhaps. And that would be interesting to get a, a first vote going. Um, or we might leave everything as it is. But anyways, uh, that's share site. We have our, our link in the description. Um, but, uh, sheriffsite.com slash punch card investing. Uh, so check that out. You can op- open up a free account to check it out as well um, before you um, go ahead and pay for any of the premium services if you want to use that. Um, but the free account uh, gives you a lot of features too. Um, so 
what should we start with, guys? Um, maybe some Seridage, because uh, they've had some news recently, and, and they've surged on that news. We've talked about them a number of times before. Um, that sound good? Yeah, where are they at today, Bryce? I think they're eleven dollars or ten, eleven. Up above eleven, I'm pretty sure. Let me pull up their ticker. Uh, what is this? Exactly. If if it would get low enough, you'd be interested in buying into the company. So, did you buy into Saritage? No. So I sold a. I sold one put. Um, when it was at like, it was on Monday. So, uh, right as it popped, like I think like ten or fifteen percent on the news that they were uh. Look, start. We're potentially looking for like a, a merger partner or something like that, or just to get taken private. Um, so I was looking to, I was thinking about opening up like a pretty significant uh, short put position, um, and I only had enough money in my account for one. Uh, so I was moving money over, and as I was moving it over, it just it just surged, and, and uh, volatility is still high. So option premiums are pretty decent, but. Um, I decided just to wait a second because it, it's it just ran away <laughs> from from where I would have done it, so it went too fast for me. Um, but I am interested in it, and every day that goes by, I thought the the put strategy would be a decent way with options premiums where the where they're at um, to get some exposure to it, and uh, it seemed like a decent way to potentially get into the stock at an effective discount if it were to continue falling. Um, and if it wasn't, then they can get, get a nice uh, options premium in the meantime. So that's, that was my thinking there. And I have I have one uh, $8 strike put option for January 2023. <laughs> so I um, uh, made like 130 bucks or so in premium. And uh, we'll see if that holds up. Um, and if I get assigned, then oh well, that's $800 of exposure <laughs> to, to Saritich <laughs> as of now. We'll see if that changes. Um. Yeah, it looks on Tuesday, um, they put out a company release, right? Uh, announcing Eddie Lampert retiring from the board. And I just want to read one little section here. Uh, I encourage and support the board's efforts to explore and pursue strategic alternatives to enhance shareholder value. I have decided to retire to allow additional time to focus on my other investments and to provide me with greater flexibility to explore alternatives for my investment in Seritage, which could include participating with parties that may be interested in acquiring certain of the company's assets and trading shares in open market transactions. So that's uh, one kind of snippet from, from that release. Yeah, we got kind of a few items uh, from Seritage just over this weekend um, and into this week that, that's kind of ca- caused things to go kind of crazy i mean we had the decline over the last well year (laughs) i was gonna say over the last month um but it's been it's been significant and then just in the past what a few days it's gone from as low as about eight and a half up to up as high as 11 and a half just just in a couple of days so very uh very volatile right now um Yeah, I have to. I pulled uh, Jason's comment here. Uh, is there any way to short the punch card portfolio? I mean, you could do it on your own time, but uh, we we don't have any sort of a. Uh, I think Jack, the link fund. that we were going to send to Jason kind of got lost, right? I think. What's that? You were sending the link, right? I think it just got lost. You were going to have him on the show, but then maybe the link goes on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I canceled the link uh, to allow it Jason onto the show. He no longer we were revoking his pass. Um he he can't he can't come back on. Um but uh uh 
anyways, a lot of price movement in Heritage, even just in the last few days. It's been kind of a roller coaster ride. We saw Monish Prabhai selling out pretty recently. Um, that what that was like a couple of weeks ago that we we learned about that. Um, then we have this merger talk in addition to Eddie Lampert officially retiring. Plus, we have like some sort of lawsuit speculation that this, uh, as part of like the Sears breakup that allowed Heritage to kind of be spun off with all the real estate. Maybe there's a potential that in that Sears effectively has a claim on this on this real estate or something kind of crazy like that. There's some threat there that um, is, is a potential thing. <laughs> but there's just a lot going on right now with Heritage that's uh, that's pretty new. Yeah, even since Monish sold and then transferred that stake into Process, I would assume, like Process has fallen 40% since then and Heritage has gone up 40%. <laughs> Monish so is a bad, he's a bad trader. Even the super investors don't, can't time the market, you know, it's just, yeah. And, it's been, sure. it's been, and then, of course, we have the overarching and just macro concern of, of the conflict in Ukraine, um, the potential logistical terrible problems with that. Um, Commodity prices are soaring in in many areas, and specifically with oil. If oil prices go up, that would theoretically cause things to go up uh, more than just oil. Everything pretty much to go up because everything runs on energy, um, and we've already seen bad inflation. So maybe there's some policy decisions that come from that, but lots of lots of craziness. And plus, it puts pressure on our friends over at the Federal Reserve and all the central banks to uh, keep interest rates low to navigate navigate any sort of crisis. Um, yet at the same time, they want to combat inflation. So it's, it's like, uh-oh, we're, we're getting into some some uh, trying times uh, on, on the monetary front, it would seem. Yeah. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on, on Sarah's potentially going private? Um, I, I know Tom put out some co- content recently about... Uh, uh, about this very topic, potentially Sarah just going private and, and talked about um, uh, how Guy Spear saw this as like the the big risk was them getting taken private and not allowing uh, this potential value <clears throat> in the portfolio to be unlocked through all the things they're trying to do during uh, however, however long it takes. Yeah. So Brad, when you did your valuation property by property, what sort of value were you getting for Sertage? Approximately, yeah. Um, I think it was in the low three billions um, for the property values all aggregated. Yeah, so that's like a four x, five x from current prices. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys see that the possibility of it being taken private at say a three billion sort of valuation, two three billion? I'd be kind of surprised, but uh, I, I don't know who would, who would who would be trying to buy it. Um, have we had any indication on that? Like, has anyone proposed any sort of offer? There's only one company that I know in the public markets that has like two ish, two point five billion sitting in cash. Uh-huh. I'm still hopeful. <laughs> the, the Chicago after, company we've after, been talking about after all these years, Equity Commonwealth's yeah. going to come out swinging and and right. finally do what Karan's been asking for. And merge with heritage. Clear the debt. Investor relations finally heard me. (laughs) Clear clear the debt. Deploy the cash. Um, It 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 is weird because it almost seems like heritage is this. This to me is almost a signal of 
some serious, uh, like a lack of confidence from Seritage. Um, maybe not as serious as, as it could be, but in that maybe they're really worried about not being able to do some of these developments in time with their debt clock coming up and they'd prefer to just have an injection of cash, sell out, go private, take care of this debt, worry about everything else later. I don't know if that that's the first kind of initial vibe I got. I'm like, Ooh, that, that, that almost sounds like they're, they're they really need the cash to take care of that debt and remove that risk. But I could be overanalyzing that. Um, it could just, it could just be trying to get out of this crazy volatility of the public markets and just take it private and take care of their projects over this the next is few years. The highest rate that they can get for their properties, right? At current interest rates, because as interest rates go up, mm-hmm. cap rates kick in and then prices will obviously level out. So right. I think now is probably the best time if they are liquidating, just get it done when interest rates are still relatively low. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that is in terms of cap rates and all that considered? It's definitely a concern. Um, but I think they're the bigger concern right now is that they, they have a debt burden that's coming due. And I know they restructured a good portion of their debt, which was good, but there's a large portion that has not really been changed. So they need to pay that off. And unless daddy Warren, who owns the debt <laughs> decides to, to change things again, which he might, uh, but he doesn't really have an obligation to. So um, it seems like that's the overarching concern more so than cap rates uh, rising. But that is a concern too. The debt is much of a concern, frankly, because they have like mm-hmm. 800, they have 800 million due in like July of 23, and the rest is due in 2025. So I don't see the debt as much of a concern. Like they could sell properties and cover the 800 million. Well, they don't want to sell them at too big of a discount because they also have the ongoing redevelopment costs. It's not as though it's just, you know, the, these properties will automatically reach their their potential value. There, there's some serious costs going on too and cash burn that way beyond just your typical interest costs. So that, that that's kind of the added wrinkle of that. That's a big thing that sh- that's had me not really, not really taking any big swings at Seritage. Um, just because it's more than just paying down this debt. In addition to that, you have cash burn from the redevelopment costs. They need to actually execute on these redevelopments. And then, then we can talk about, okay, now they've unlocked that value. So there's risk beyond just the debt, the debt clock too. I think there's uncertainty. The risk would be the risk of permanent loss of capital, and I don't mm-hmm. think that exists. But there is uncertainty. So, yeah. well, what do you, how how would it not be a permanent loss of capital if they've overpaid for a development, for example? That's cash down the drain, no? Because they are entering to joint ventures, right? So again, they put up the building, oh, but then the development costs are not on them. So true, the JV partner kind of takes on those costs. Is that for all That's, of those major developments, or only some of them? I know it's for some of them. It's for some of them, but like they've kind of identified what they think are the properties where they can get the highest return on capital and they've kept those for themselves and the others go with JVs. So, mm. Okay. Well, that helps that a bit. Um, but in any event, they still still got to execute. <laughs> I want to mention as well, Guy Spear, I guess he has a YouTube channel. It's fairly recent, I think. And he talked to Matt Peterson two weeks ago. Uh, yep. about both Seritage and Daily Journal. I found that an interesting talk. So check that out on YouTube if you guys haven't seen it. Let's get this question from SC358. Have you done any work on the litigation aspects? Not yet. I have I've, I think if the, the price is back down closer to eight, I might be looking more into that. But uh, um, 
this is interesting because apparently with the Sears litigation. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. part of like the Sears. Um, I don't know what the lawsuit is exactly. Cause again, I haven't really looked in, into it too much, but it's part of the bankruptcy and Eddie Lampert and, and, and ESL, ESL are like a party against Sears or, or something like that. And um, it's alleging some sort of wrongdoing in the way that Seritage was spun out of Sears or something like that. Um, right, like Sears shareholders didn't get their fair share right. as these assets were spun out. Right, um, and I don't know how legitimate that that claim is. Uh, if there's a potential settlement that could come out of it, I'm, I'm not really sure what that looks like, but it, it's something. And, and apparently some people have paid some attention to it, so it's probably worth a look if, if you're interested in that. Well, I think Phil Town, Danielle Town, did some work on it as well. I think mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Peterson actually hired her to kind of dig into some of the, uh, I guess that was mostly the debt stuff. Um, For the debt covenants. Yeah, yeah. The debt, yeah. So maybe, sure. it, maybe it didn't have anything to do with the um, the Sears. Yeah, that I mean, that's a relevant consideration too, yeah. but it right. is separate from right. this, this litigation issue. Um, yeah. I think I first saw it when I believe it was SC three five eight. You yours truly, um, who came came uh, in the uh, the punch card Discord that we have linked below. Um, I think you you were the first who shared it and and were asking about this. And it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of risk because uh, uh, th- this could definitely result in some permanent loss of capital. Basically, I don't want to call it a fraud or, but it, it would be some sort of wrongdoing that shareholders would be holding the bag for to unwind the the wrongdoing. Um, if something like that were to actually go through again, I don't really know what the real risk of that is, but it's something. Yeah. I think I heard from Monish at one point that he was really waiting for that risk to pass. And that's kind of why he was able to dive in, in mm-hmm. March of 2020. Cause he thought, all right, this thing is closed at this point, uh, the risk from, from Sears. So it seems like it, cause it's been a few years. Um, what the, was it? 2017, 2015, uh, they got 2015. Spun. So it's, it was five years. So there, yeah. So it seems yeah. like it really wouldn't be an issue, but, uh, I guess it's slightly lingering still as far as I know. So let's talk about the other holding that Monish got into when he got out of heritage. Trader Monish <laughs> day trader, swing well. trader. Oh, and, and, and just in time to join us to talk about, Alibaba, the other holding that recently had earnings less than stellar and proceeded to keep going down as it has been for the Who last is it, Jack? Who is long. it? Well, it's it's our our very own, our friend, Jason, the afternoon yes. investor. Jason, how are hey, you? Hey, guys. Doing, doing <laughs> great. How's everybody doing? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, th- thanks for joining us on short notice. So, yeah. so cheers to Jason. Um, uh, quick uh, makeshift uh, super investor sip. <laughs> <laughs> But Jason, we're just yeah. about to dive into Alibaba, which has had just they just had their earnings call. Uh, growth was uh, not huge, but Ali Cloud continues to grow. Certainly, some catalysts for future growth as well. Um, buybacks are good, but yeah, buybacks 50%. still huge. Yeah. What are our thoughts on Baba right now? Jason's out of Alibaba. He's not in it anymore, is he? Okay, he's, he's out of the chat. He's <laughs> out of here. He's just out of here forever. <laughs> that was too personal a question. Oh, he's back. He's I'm back. back. Uh, my, my thoughts on Alibaba, is that what you're asking? Right. Yeah. yeah any, you're, anyone. You're by, the, by the way, is my, my audio is okay? You guys yeah, you sound good. Yep. Great. Okay. Um, 
I mean, I'm out of Alibaba. They put out their earnings, and uh, it did not make me want to get back into Alibaba. And then, of course, everything's going on in the markets, and they're down this week, five another 5%, and it did not want to make me get back into Alibaba. I've got a rule for getting back into Alibaba. If I see customer management growth, Taobao and Tmall, where they make their money, I'll consider going back in. Um, but until then, uh, I'm not really enthused about the company. Um, Ant Financial isn't Ant Financial anymore in my eyes at all. And um, their core business where they make their money, if I understand it correctly, Tmall and Taobao customer management under China Commerce is not growing. Um, I think it shrunk like either a percent or, uh, yeah, I think it sh- shrunk like a percent. So I'm not not bullish. Sorry to ruin the party. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, what, what is your sense of what Charlie's seeing in Baba that you're not seeing, Jason, if you have any take on that? Um, honestly, uh, this week I was thinking about um, Charlie Munger and his investment in Alibaba. And I'm not going to, not going to, uh, it, it just feels weird to say mistake Charlie Munger, you know, um, cause we haven't seen him make many mistakes, but I honestly am considering, uh, possibly it, it might've been a mistake. Um, or, or maybe it, maybe it even wasn't a mistake. Maybe just the market changed on the company, but they don't, I don't see them as really a big growing company right now. I'm, I'm worried about their competition and, if he was buying it at like over double the price, I don't know if that's a good buy. So I, I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, but I think we have to, even though he's our hero, one of our heroes, and we have like the utmost respect and we learned a ton from him. Um, there is possibilities that guys like him and Warren Buffett do make mistakes from time to time. So it, I'm thinking possibly it could be that, but I don't want to be the one to say that. So. But it's only been like one year since he's started a position. So that's barely any time. Like, I mean, he's also bought a lot more recently, relatively yeah. speaking. If he's made a mistake, he's really doubled down and doubled down again. So, yeah, I like uh, at his annual meeting, one of the first questions that uh, I think it was Becky Quick, she asked some shareholder was like, You're, buy- you're, you're buying foreign stocks on, <laughs> on margin. margin. <laughs> Are we allowed to know what you're buying? And he thought about it and he was like, No. Yeah. <laughs> Says we don't want people to know what we're buying. <laughs> okay, <laughs> candid. Brad, the the one thing that always comes to mind though when I think about um, Alibaba and Charlie Munger is Lee Lu. He's so close to Lee Lu. I just infer that if Charlie likes something, Lee Lu likes something. I don't know if that's fair, uh, but it makes me. I'm more curious about if Lee Lu also likes Alibaba, what he sees in it. But of course, we haven't seen it show up on his 13F. He could own it through Hong Kong. So who knows? Right. Yeah. Lee Lu's got to do more of these Q and A's man. Uh, <laughs> he does one like every couple of years. It's just not enough. Yeah, there's um, no way we can find out if he has the Hong Kong listed shares. So no. Nope. Now what about, uh, you gave, you gave a pretty bearish take on Alibaba there, Jason. Um, is it is it that you're actually bearish on Alibaba, or just that you're more bullish on uh, something like a ten cent or or some something else? Well, it's kind of uh, the the Facebook situation where it's like obviously they're a very strong company. Obviously, they've got a huge thing going, but 
Um, so I don't want to necessarily say the words bearish because that mm-hmm. would be like me making a prediction. And it's more so like, oh, I don't think I can make a prediction or judge the situation anymore. I'm seeing things that worry me, a lot of competition and their core business where they make money. They're not growing as of like last quarter, year over year. They actually shrunk a little bit, but that's not growing. And mm-hmm. um, that moves it from where I thought it was a year ago into more of a too hard pile to, I want to feel comfortable owning this thing for 10 years. If I couldn't sell it, I don't know what's going to happen with their competition. Um, They also don't seem to be the favorite company of the people in charge over there. And um, that also. Hmm. The regulators. Yeah. The regulators, it it plays a role. uh, I think when you're investing in that country, Uh, a lot of negative news around the company. Um, True. I, I noticed a comment from Luis. Maybe you can highlight this one, Jack. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen this personally, <clears throat> but it looks like Seeking Alpha compared I, Baba I saw to that the headline. salad uh, salad oil scandal from American Express. So yeah, I've seen that headline. If, if you, you guys do? ever, if you ever want to like learn headlines and copy and like marketing, Seeking Alpha's got it down. Yeah, huh? Just go to Seeking Alpha because those people <laughs> know how to use celebrity investor names and things that trigger emotions in people. I saw that today as well. And I was like, I'm not even going to, I mean, what are you talking about? Salad oil? Like that was right. fraud, you know, and this, right. this is not, not that. So I will, I will take a look at their headlines. Thanks for well, that. Look at us. It, it made tip. it, it made it onto the show. So there you go. It worked. <laughs> you know, the most um, recent comment about Tencent being a superior business. I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. Like in terms of Tencent being the superior business compared to Baba, I I definitely feel like they have less direct threatening competition. Why? Because they invested in everything. Is that why? Yeah. Just because they're more of, as I understand it, they're more of like an uh, iOS uh, platform kind of business with uh, WeChat, uh, more like you're saying, all encompassing versus Baba, at least their main business e-commerce and and um it seems like they've got competition in that space yeah but i mean the way baba's running the entire business the capital light model sort of i don't know it makes a lot more sense and for the valuation that we're getting baba at seems a lot cheaper than uh, tencent no matter how you look at it and and don't forget about uh alley cloud as well that's a that's a huge growth engine um a lot of people up 20% last quarter. Again, that's just one quarter's result. So, like, I mean, if we're going to be basing, um, I mean, we're not buying now just to sell in three months, right? So, <laughs> true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. A lot but, of people are putting uh, a lot of uh, a lot of faith in the growth alley cloud, which seems fair so far. Um, the question is, how how far can it go? Is it going to be like another Amazon sort of deal where, where it becomes like the, all the profits of the business or, or, uh, or what's that really going to look like? It's a little hard to say. I think they lost their biggest, one of their biggest customers recently. Douyin, Douyin, Duo. I, I, I like to call it Duo Yuan, but that's not the way it's pronounced. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think they, I think they dropped off of their cloud. Um, Jack, I know you're, I know you love talking about Alibaba because I remember there was a, I think there was a lot of pressure on you from this group. Everyone was in Alibaba. And you just didn't want to do it unless you're in it. No, I, I had like a tiny bit. I copied Ray Dalio like years ago. I put it, I put oh, a little bit in there. So I had like nice. a tiny bit of exposure and I've slowly built it up as it's fallen down to a hundred. Um, I think my cost base is like one forty. Um, oh, so I take that back. You are, um, 
getting into Yeah, this. I think it's about 5% of my portfolio, of my stock portfolio, that is. So oh, wow. Nice. Well, that makes but, sense, because you have about as many holdings as Ray Dalio, don't you, Jack? No, not even close. <laughs> Ray, Ray just owns everything. Um, but he, he was putting a bunch of... It was actually, I think, right before the pandemic. Was it right before? I think it was. Or no, no. I don't even know. He was putting a lot of money in China. It might have actually been during the pandemic. He put a lot of money into China, and Alibaba was one of the biggest swings he took. Um, he's, he's bullish on China. Yeah, he's very, very, very much so. Um, that was that was a while back, though. Um, Can I bring up you know uh, process? That was going to talk about process too. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's one holding that's really surprised me over the past month because I never anticipated that the entire Russian investment. Russian Ukrainian investment would just be like all the way down to almost nothing. Like, is that a risk that anyone had anticipated? Ugh, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and I do kind of wonder. I do. It's it's very hard to say what it is, but um, with the whole conflict between Ukraine and Russia, any Russian holdings, any any anything that's tied up in all that, um. I wonder if any of this is an overreaction. Now, of course, it depends on the escalation of conflict and what this actually ends up being. But uh, some some companies have literally gone down to zero um, or almost to zero, which is, is that really justified? Like there's still a company there. And even if sanctions are brutal, is, is it really worth zero um, or close to zero? And then I, I do wonder if there's any, there's going to be some opportunity that comes out of this. Surely there'll be something, but we need the dust to settle quite a bit first um, to really know that. Jack, pull the up the price chart for process real quick. Mm-hmm. Man. Even even if you look at the underlying currency, I mean, I think um, yeah, Jason and Brad, the Turkish investors, can like tell us a bit about this. But like, when your currency is kind of yeah, crashing, ruble's down like ninety percent against the dollar now, or something crazy. Yeah. Um, How you? Yeah. So in terms of currency risk. That that's interesting because I, I know the, the Russian Central Bank bought a ton of gold over the last couple of years and was trying to de-dollarize. So it's interesting that it still dropped as hard as it did. Um, granted, there's a lot of, there are valid reasons for as to why it's dropped, but um, it is interesting how violent some things have been. Um, wait, process. Did they buy Bitcoin as well? <laughs> Probably, who knows? Uh, um, definitely a lot of gold though. I just noticed something interesting that for the past five years, Russia has been like the largest gold buyer in the world. Coal buyer? Gold buyer, yeah. Oh, gold. I think said coal. I'm like, really? <laughs> I thought they're gold. an energy exporter. Um, yeah. And I, I believe you're correct on that. Wow. Uh, here is... Wait, it's... Uh, it's Pro.Y. Yeah. yeah PRX. So Pro- process is down 38% year to date. And what's interesting is Tencent is only down uh, 14, 13% year to date. So process is down a lot more than Tencent. I was running the numbers today. Um, <clears throat> if my numbers are correct, process is 73 and a half billion. Their Tencent stake is 143 billion. So just the Tencent stake, you're down to 52 cents on the dollar. Um Ran a few different scenarios, but uh, yeah, it's getting a pretty big discount there. But yeah, just just on ten cent, you're at fifty two cents on the dollar. Wow, the process can't catch a break. First, they have the South African index pushing them down. <laughs> then they've got ten cent, 
now they've got the Russian <laughs> investments. Well, they've been doing a ton of buybacks recently, right, Karan? I, I wonder how much uh, gunpowder they, they have left. In. They, they finished that. Yeah. But they have an additional $5 billion that they've issued in bonds. So if that goes towards buybacks at these prices, it's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of buybacks, one thing I will say, just because uh, – one of my holdings, but Foot Locker recently had earnings that were less than stellar because of us. Uh, the the in, in short, Nike is trying to move to direct to consumer, which would hurt something like a Foot Locker, which relies a lot on Nike um, products. But they just approved Foot Locker did 1.2 billion dollars in buybacks. I think the what's, company's worth what's their like, market cap. I think you're just over two billion or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, so insane buybacks um, wow. relative to their their new market cap. So uh, keep yeah, an eye might, on that. We one. might be using insane, both of us using the word insane, but for different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe so. Um, How much cash do they have? What's their net cash uh, position right now? They, you know? I think they have right around a billion. But let me check real quick. Don't quote Jeez. me. Yeah, they are. <laughs> They've been doing pretty aggressive buybacks over the last couple of years, um, but this is like next level. <laughs> so have I'm interested, looked, interested have, what's going to happen there. Do you know what's happening with stores, Jack? Like, are they are they closing stores? I can't imagine. Yeah, they they were slowly yeah. closing off some stores, but same yeah. so, uh, same store sales are actually up um, slightly. So that's good. Um, but it, it's really more this kind of long term threat of Nike pulling away how much is that really going to hurt all really all wholesalers talking about like exporting goods Foot Locker, whatever it is. Any, anyone tied to Nike products is, is obvious. This is an obvious threat. Um, and they have like a, they have a decent amount of debt. If you, especially just between all their, their store leases, like that's a significant obligation. Um, but yeah. But otherwise it, it is surprising that same still same. I can't say that same <laughs> store sales are up still, even in this environment. Um, now how much that will be maintained uh, through the, through the next few years that that's, that's the, uh, that's the question, but if hey, anything and you can get it, it, if you can get it at the right price, it, it still, it still can work. And that goes for pretty much any stock. <laughs> Unless one is totally insolvent, then uh, good luck with that. I, I vaguely remember Jeremy uh, beating the Foot Locker drum a couple of years back when I was kind of paying attention to what he was doing. But Is that right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think he was in it like two years back or okay. something. Yeah. Where, I wonder, wait, where was it two years ago? Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. Um, let's see. So it was at, okay. So it looks like, it looks like he wrote it up. Um, well, we don't know when he got out, but yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Here, here's what it looks like. Uh, two years ago was around here, so he probably got in the twenties. Like at worst, he's getting out above that. So theoretically, <laughs> Jack, can you open the link I sent you in the private chat? There? Sure. I mean, this this is too good. What what Seeking Alpha is doing? We we just need to take a moment. Look at that oh. second headline. It is it is incredible. Jason, you got to pay attention to this as well. <laughs> that is pretty good. Wait, hold on. Let me get out of my, uh, all, my all my email addresses to show. <laughs> it's just asking me if I want to log in. Um, there we go. What's the second headline there? <laughs> why I sleep like a baby. Oh, sorry, let me zoom back out. That's ugly. Uh, why I sleep like a baby. Three ultra swans singing great lullabies. <laughs> <laughs> These are great. Wow. 
Ethereum yeah. is losing and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like not the, to trade Luke Oil. I like the PayPal offers rare asymmetric growth opportunity. I like I like the use of the word asymmetric. Rare, <laughs> yeah. rare asymmetric. Asymmetric is a buzzword, kind of like a shared economy, whatever. Uh-huh. Scaled. So, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Right. If you can get an asymmetric back in a shared economy scale. Oh, that is that is. Yeah, the you got to go all in. Yeah. yeah. Push in the chips. Uh, yeah. So let us know, guys, if you have questions in the comments or just a topic to riff on. Uh, we're going to spend most of the time tonight doing that. But anybody else have anything you guys want? I know. Up? I know you guys. Um, I miss. I think you were talking about Seritage already. Yeah. Um, is there a number? Are is everyone in Seritage? No, I have my one put option I mentioned at the top of the show. <laughs> That's it. Jack is the oh. contrarian contrarian. You know, he right. just goes against. Uh. <laughs> no, it, 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 I sold a put. It's bullish. It's a bullish position. So what's your Not what's your price where you would have to buy it? And by the way, Jack, I like your video. I was at Kane's Chicken in the drive-thru on my, on my way to get a Kaniac, and I had your video uh, playing what, in my car. What is a Kaniac? Like somebody eats raising canes. All right. No. I'm picturing oh. it's a, a type of meal from. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Okay, yeah, it's it's their it's their big big meal. It's six chicken fingers, piece of toast, coleslaw, and uh, dipping sauce. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that, Jason. Yeah. No, it was. So I was learning and um, for, for the uh, the Seritage one, right? Yeah. What's your price that you would have? Uh, to so buy it was an eight dollar strike price. Um, and I, when I did it, that it was the morning of that video, but I filmed that video on Sunday. So the, the stock price over the weekend was at like nine something. And then it was over well over 10 by the time I I did the option, but option prices were still pretty high. Um, so I was able to sell one for like 130 bucks on an $8 strike price. So that would bring my cost basis down to $6 and something. It's like six forty or something like that. Um, if I were to, uh, if I were to buy in my effective cost basis, that's I should pretty say. good. That's less than Monish. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That was kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, this is, <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I'd be comfortable like this low at in, in some capacity, but I only had time to buy one option before it just ran away up above 11 again. So well, let, let me ask Brad and Karan and apologies if you answered this already, but let's say on Monday we get an offer for $18 a share. Would you vote yes or no? Nothing below thirty. Okay. All going all the way. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. I'll hold firm at thirty as well. So you you both would vote no. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It wouldn't even be a I think a consideration for most heritage shareholders anything below like twenty five. Well, that's what I said this week. I said it's a very stubborn uh, shareholder base that knows what what they own. Um, what. Well, what do you guys? That, hey, hold on! I can't be that stubborn. It's all the way down to eleven. <laughs> it got as high as like twenty of a while ago, right? <laughs> well, Monish is moving the market, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you guys do? You think they're gonna if if someone makes an offer for the whole company? What do you think it'll come in at? Three billion. I'm still hopeful for that equity Commonwealth kind of swoops in and. Doesn't matter. I'm still hopeful. <laughs> I like the sound of it, but I just I don't see it. I don't see it. It's it's perfect. It's they have the exact amount of except, cash that Seritage needs. Except Samzel Samzel does Samzel does not like development and he does not like retail. And that's all you got in Seritage. <laughs> <laughs> he also said that industrial is super expensive, and then he went and 
This is also true. This is also true. Um, So I think he he buys deals. He doesn't buy, you know, doesn't matter what it is. If it makes sense at the right price, he'll go for it. True. But but I know he's very much against development, though. He prefers to get something below replacement cost, as he likes to say, um, if he can do it. And this is kind of the opposite. He's becoming a developer. So um, in retail, which he already doesn't like. So there are multiple factors against it. Maybe he would. I'm not saying he wouldn't, but uh, it, it's unlikely, it seems. Interesting. J- Jason, are you going to the uh, Berkshire meeting this year? <clears throat> uh, no, I heard a uh, – I'm not. I heard a celebrity YouTuber is, <laughs> is working on it. I don't know if that's public information, but a lot of uh, cool things are going to happen, I think, I this can't year. comment on it. I'm curious, anyone in the chat, are you going – to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting this year. Yeah, I was planning on doing it th- this year, but um, I have uh, guess 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 what time it is again? I have a wedding that we a wedding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're coming back, guys. <laughs> it's almost wedding season again. Are you going, Brad? Um, you thinking it's, about it's it? It's a possibility. I haven't booked my flight yet, but it's, wow. it's a possibility. I feel like this will be the first Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting in person since this YouTube finance thing has started um i think it was kind of a pandemic thing and uh, we haven't had an in-person mm. meeting since then so be a lot of fun for the people yeah. that are there yeah probably going to be a lot of self-promotion in the questions <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to drop their uh youtube names <laughs> i'm yeah. a value guy on twitter or whatever right. or something like <laughs> value bro yeah Warren, why did you not invest in Alibaba? Be interesting if someone could ask that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised actually. Yeah. yeah, especially since Charlie's double down, double down. Mm-hmm. Although Charlie already got asked that at the Daily Journal meeting, but that so was to Charlie. That, that one might get filtered. That one might get filtered yeah, out. Warren would give a very political response just about how. Oh uh, yeah. There's opportunities here. It's on a. Let's do something like that. Everyone's going to be in a good mood because uh, everyone gets to travel again and then the price of Berkshire's way up. So, <clears throat> going to be happy shareholder hey, base. Don't jinx it. There's been some brutal, brutal uh, earnings recently. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, Berkshire makes money. Yeah, that's uh, all right. And what I'm realizing, a lot of these companies whose stock prices are crashing, they forgot that to be a company, you have to make money. Fair. Don't have to drop any names, but there's a, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, there really are a lot of them whose stock no, prices yeah. are absolutely crashing and they don't make money. So what's what are we, what are they all doing, you know, besides cash and checks and. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there was a rush to the door to not to the door, rush to the entrance to go public to over this record amount of IPOs. I'm pretty sure over this last uh, year and a half, um, certainly in dollar terms, it's massive amount of people, uh, companies, many of them with no profits just coming in to, uh, mm-hmm. to grab some cash. Well, I imagine that's what happens at the end of every cycle, right? You Seems like it. Euphoria. Yeah. I, uh, Are we uh, hinting towards Virgin Galactic? Is that what we're hinting towards? Like <laughs> <laughs> space. We're not going to name names. Uh, Sandeep, I want to get him. We don't talk much about Daily Journal. Jack. Before we, before we, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. But here's this chart. Okay. Uh, here's this chart from uh, Charter. They have a really good free email. I recommend doing. Um, recommend signing up for. Not the not charts, sponsored, but maybe we should be. 
Um, but here is the amount of profitable IP or percentage of uh, IPOs that have been profitable over time. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. And this is as of last year. So 2000, <laughs> look, look at, look at that decline and, and notice the tech bubble. Yeah. Right. So trends, trends. Interesting. And of course, what have interest rates been doing that entire, <laughs> it almost looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost exactly. the same graph. Exactly. Um, cool. Thanks, Jack. So Daily Journal, uh, you know, it's funny. I've been digging into Peter Kaufman recently, and there's not much out there on Peter Kaufman. Peter Kaufman edited Poor Charlie's Almanac, and he gave a talk in 2018. It is phenomenal on multidisciplinary uh, mental models. It's just so good. And um, he owns almost 10% of Daily Journal. I believe he's still on the board of daily journal. Um, but you know, I think Tom did a few videos on daily journal. It's hard to really, for me, it's hard to get my head around daily journal technologies. Um, just because they it keep like it there's, not, there's not going to be anything coming in for like five or 10 years, really. They've got such a long-term horizon with that. Um, but if it's really sticky, right, it could be an incredible business. So Matt Peterson is bullish on Daily Journal. Guy Spear owns some, obviously. Charlie, you know, CEO or, or not, not CEO on the board. So it's it's an interesting company. It's kind of been in the back of my mind. Have have any of you dug into to Daily Journal really? I I have uh, a little bit. I look at their yeah. cash. I look at their portfolio. I look at the price of the company, but then I get to the point where. Uh, it sounds like you got to where you look at their core business right? and you ask yourself, okay, is this thing going to start growing um, and, and work? And I, there's no way for me to know that. And so I just quickly move on. Interesting mental exercises to ask yourself what you would think of that company. If Charlie wasn't associated with it. Um, to me, it kind of looks like a different situation, but yeah, it's, I don't um I don't understand. I I don't. I can't personally discount uh, or put odds on them winning contracts from local governments all over the country and stuff versus Tyler Technologies or some company like that. Just no, no clue. Yeah. So, Karan, doesn't Matt like own half a percent of the entire company? Maybe closer to a percent. Yeah. Oh, is that with heritage? Not sure. Uh, that's the Daily he's... Journal. Okay. Yeah. He's pretty excited about that. But. I guess one way you could look at it is if it ever gets to a point where it's cheap enough versus their stock holdings, you could kind of look at it as like, well, I'm not going to get wiped out. Maybe right. I'll lose a little bit. But if it does work, then I'll have a huge win. Maybe people are looking at it that way. Or they just have more information of the legal software space. It does seem to fluctuate quite a bit. Um, kind of goes between 400 and 200, it seems like. Um, so, right, yeah, right now it's kind of right in the middle. Cool. What else? I'm looking at some questions. Um, self-serving question, Jack. If I looked at, have I looked at home builders? Um, not really. I'm I'm a little adverse to a lot of home home builders because I it seems like 
they ramp up their building at the top of cycles, which makes sense because that's when prices are high and you can justify some of the costs. So I'm always a little hesitant on that. Um, it's not one I've really looked much into though, um, despite my interest in real estate. It's, it's Development's kind of a different game than uh, buy and hold real estate, obviously. You're too, too cyclical for you, huh, Jack? Yeah, that's it, par- partially that, but it's, it's, it's a different game because there, it's a lot more speculative. Um, and, and there's a lot more moving parts as well than just simply buying the property, maybe renovating it. It's all kind of there. Um, whereas with developing, you're building something out of nothing got government risks with trying to get entitlements, zoning issues, um, the obvious costs of your inputs, which has been a huge issue over the last few years. Um, So it's a a very different business than your average buy and hold REIT, for example. So uh, not that you can't make money in it, of course, but it's uh, not something I've done much into. Have any of you guys looked into home builders at any point? Yeah, I've got a home building position. Mm -hmm. Which Uh, one? called green brick partners mm. and uh it's a big david einhorn company he um he i, I think he's seeing something about that co-founded or i don't know it was his money i think uh in a large way that co-founded the company um and he partnered with a guy with a big background in the space interestingly enough with the last name brickman i believe <laughs> and it's just interesting how that kind of stuff happens in life but uh very it seems pretty cheap to me pe of four to five um, in the right places in the country, a little bit of Florida, a little bit of Colorado, and a ton of uh, uh, Texas, and I think uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. And Atlanta. Uh, and Atlanta, yeah. That's the other big area where they're yeah. at. So growing areas, and um, the guy who runs it is just really um, – I just have a good feeling with him running the company. Really seems what they know. They know what they are doing. And it's interesting. They they I think they even talk about Berkshire Hathaway and their company um, – the way they discuss their company because they buy land and they have money. And that's kind of the core competencies that the management brings to the table, capital allocation. And then they partner with um, like local home building companies to some extent or people who do home building. And they've got a, it's kind of, I don't know, not, not an outsource thing, but it's kind of like a Berkshire thing where um, it's very, um, losing the word, but it's a very, uh, not segmented, but they've got, they kind of let their local people do their thing. Um, uh-huh. Decentralized. Decentralized. Yep. That's the word. And it just seemed cheap. And the big uh, impetus for me to buy it was how much it was growing, uh, the PE, and then ma- management and the board has been doing a ton of uh, insider buying uh, at, at similar prices. And so, I've had about a five-ish percent position for about a year now. It looks like Einhorn's fund owns 34%, so big Yeah, and it, he sold maybe a quarter of his shares a year or so ago when the stock price really popped up. Okay. Um, so, And it's also kind of a supply-demand play. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot more demand in that market. You read some of the stories. Um, been through it myself as a home buyer, home seller, and um, – there's a lot of demand for home buying. A little, little bit worried with interest rates, but um, I'm, I'm just going to keep holding it and, and see how the story plays out. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, data suggesting that there is there's a few million homes short of of what the U.S. really should be at, uh, just in the U.S. that is nationwide. Yeah. So that would seem to bode bode well for 
home builders, even if we get a decent bump in interest rates in, in the near future, uh, assuming you believe those numbers. Um, and it se- seems to be holding up given the incredible lack of supply in the single family home market right now compared to what it usually is. Yeah, it's about as simple as it is. I saw an old uh, Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting the other day and Buffett was talking about home building and it's as he does, Buffett made something that's somewhat complex, extremely simple. And he just talked about how many households are formed in the country every year and how many new homes are built. And then the supply and demand kind of drives that industry. And input costs. <laughs> yep. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you, you mean like uh, the cost of labor and and uh, yeah, labor materials? Stuff. Yeah. Granted, you can pass a lot of that on. You can likely. in in markets like this. That's what they've been talking about for the last years. How their costs keep going up, but they keep asking for more money, and people keep saying yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, did you guys notice Yen Liao is closing up his fund? I, I'm not familiar with him. Okay. He's, Tell us, um, Brad. Well, I'm trying to find the release now just so you can pull it up. But he's one of these kind of smaller, you know, value funds that just kind of caught my eye because of the kinds of returns he's posted uh, and let me let me pull up my kind of investor spreadsheet to see how long he's been around. I'm guessing like seven to ten years or something. But yeah, it was surprising to see. You know, he's closing up shop. So hopefully, it'd be nice to hear from him a little more directly. What's uh, what's driving that? You guys don't seem to follow him. So. No, not at all. You know what I'm thinking about, Brad, is uh, one time I worked at CVS, and in the magazine aisle, they had like those teeny magazines where it's like you have those teen celebrities that then preteens <laughs> read about. And I just picture you, you kind of had that magazine with the small, oh, val- yeah, yeah. With the small value investors. Keeping us up to date on the latest ongoings in the world of Fair small enough. value funds. Yeah. Gossip, yeah. The, the paparazzi investors, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, you, you described that so vividly. Jason. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. You really painted a picture there. What's Facebook doing, guys? Is it continued to tank? I've kind of it's, taken uh, a break been hovering from... around two hundred. Okay, hovering um, around. I don't, I don't think it's dropped. It might have dropped below for a moment. Oh, it's right at two hundred right now. Yeah. Um, we know Jason's thoughts on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh, just great, going, great guys. company, great company, guaranteed to grow at 20% a year. Good, and good. even if it doesn't grow at 20%, I think it's guaranteed to grow at something. And so, yeah, My screaming goodness. by. Down, yeah. down 40% on the year. Yeah, really. Not even on the year, on the, on, the, <laughs> on, the, on the two months. Did, did you guys watch the interview with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Lex? Yes. You oh, is that is that recent? Yeah, it's very yeah, recent. Yeah, it was a few, a few days, days back. I haven't seen it. Guys, I, I have a really hard time watching watching him do interviews. He just <laughs> feels like a robot to me. It, it's, like, it, well, it's funny you say that. I, I mean, only because at the beginning I'll spoil it, but he, he, he gives him like the – Lex leads off the interview by, by giving him a – paper and saying can you please circle all the traffic lights <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good it was, it was a really good really good way to start love great. that 
Um, yeah, Brad, um, I, I haven't listened to many interviews of his. Um, yeah. I've seen like the famous highlights, like when he was a lot younger and he was on stage with that, uh, I forget her name, but she's part with the New York Times. She's kind of like the, what you are to the small value investor she is to Silicon Valley. <laughs> okay, good. I like that. Um, and uh, she put a little heat on him and uh, he got a little nervous at that time. But um, I, so I haven't seen any <laughs> recent interviews, but my take was that he was very human. Um, I don't know if it's like a kind of, what do you mean he was very human? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he no longer is compared no. to Zuck. Well, no, I'm just saying, uh, I guess he's got this reputation of like sounding like a robot in interviews or whatever. I wasn't aware uh-huh. of that, but he came off as very just like kind of normal fellow dad kind of guy. Um, he came off really good to me. I mean, he, he sounded extremely trained in media. Um, yeah. Like every time Lex would push him on something like this study said, this is bad for teenage girls about Facebook. He oh. would say, well, you got to look at the full context of the studies and we were studying it because we want to help people. And by the way, when we studied it, we found that Instagram actually helped teenage girls. And you're just like, well, what? what? But uh, <laughs> he, he was, he, he was, uh, he is trained at, at media. That's, wow. that was no, one of my things. Sure. He, he had some like clearly th- thought through, I don't want to say canned, but nearly canned answers for a number of things, which is which you have to come to expect at this point. Um, the guy's literally called the Congress like every week. So he, he has to be on his game. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, Lex is a straight shooter. I, and, I like and, his interviews. Oh, Lex I was, is, th- Lex is I was thinking this. I was thinking the same thing in the interviews. Lex is he's very monotone. I wouldn't call him robotic, but he's very monotone. And then put him next to Zuckerberg, and it is just kind of funny hearing them talk back and forth. With, yeah, with I need Twitter. to watch that now. That's going at the top of my list. It, it was it was a pretty good interview, I must say. Um, granted, you, you have the drawbacks of. Right, if you do Mark, a, Mark needing to be politically correct on what he's trying to say. But, if yeah. you do a breakdown on that one, like a recap, uh, I think that video would do. It'd be fun to see how that does compared to some of the the value uh, investor videos. Yeah, I can put on my uh, my robot voice as well for for that. Recap. <laughs> and in the thumbnail, if you wear some kind of VR thing, that would definitely <laughs> help it take off. That good. would that would make for a good Brad video. Excellent, Brad breaking down interviews. Always always good content. Great. <clears throat> um so that's facebook that's you got, facebook. have you guys seen carvana what it's been doing it's nope. just been oh my gosh oh Dropping my gosh like a knife huh? yeah if you ever want to see something funny look at carvana tweet like something really positive and then look at the the comments that come back from people uh <laughs> carvana's, carvana's on twitter huh they've got yeah. a oh yeah they're very active and they're very bubbly and they're very like uh sure. you know let's celebrate this let's celebrate that and then yeah. you look at the comments and it's like oh my gosh well, they've they've got some regulatory issues that they're working through right now, right? That I've, I haven't looked into it much, but I read something briefly about um, something with how they don't have like proper title over the cars when they're selling them. What they need that in like the state of Texas, or if you read if you read the like comments, that. there's people that are saying, and this is people that are saying uh, when they've bought cars, they've had issues where like they didn't get the title paperwork right, or they. Uh-huh. got a car in a different state with a title or oh gosh yeah <laughs> but but as i don't know the bulls on the company would say they're doing a really hard thing and hard things are hard and when you do hard things and you figure them out you've got a moat so i guess that's the bullish it's it's argument. an audacious uh plan that carvana has i would say it's not just carvana there's other companies selling cars online there's room uh, right Vroom. no 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 there's real players 
Oh. There's, there's, uh, well, not that they're not. It's just that they're sorry to any any room uh, board members. I haven't heard a lot. Of, <laughs> I haven't heard a lot about uh, room lately. But um, what I meant by that is room is my understanding. They're like in the same exact business. What I meant is like there's car dealerships with like huge market caps, huge histories in the business. Now slowly and, and influence, but smartly adding on online sales. Um, and uh, of course, there's CarMax as well. But yeah, that stock price has oh my gosh, uh, Carvana's been totally uh, hammered. We're down. Uh, 55% give us, give us the on one year, year Jack. Give us the one, one year. One year is down uh, sixty four, but okay. fifty fifty six percent over the last two months. Yeah, it's six like, six months is down sixty nine percent. Nice. <laughs> Five years, you're up eight hundred thirty percent. So shut it's up. Just been a, yeah, me. it's been fire. Brutal recently for sure. Yep. So have you guys talked about oil at all? Did Brad bring up oil? No, we haven't we, talked we, about oil. We, we, we did, talked about the salad oil scandal. I, yeah. but that's that's it. I, I briefly mentioned the commodities in general when we uh, talking about the Ukraine situation, but oh. we didn't really go into detail. Warren Buffett, uh, Berkshire Hathaway. I don't know if it was the him. Chevron. Or one, of the, one of the no, they well. So they have the Chevron bet, but it just mm-hmm. came out uh, after hours today that they own with their warrants eleven percent of Occidental. Yeah. yeah, a big. Uh, I think they're in the Permian, and so they've made a huge bet. Uh, uh, not not a huge bet for them, but a big bet um, on oil, oil company. And then if you look at that that company's stock um, year to date, it's already doubled. I think. Uh, or it's up 81%. And so they've been buying it throughout this quarter. Um, I've got a couple holdings, Podefco and Ring. And what was interesting is today, they were finally up on all this news and oil going up. But uh, what was weird is all week long, I was oil, watching oil just go to crazy, crazy high prices. And some oil stocks, they just didn't move at all, which was kind of weird. Um, but that's starting to, starting to change. And then uh, I tweeted out, something from financial times. I, I haven't read it yet. Um, I need to read it tonight, but, um, Scott Sheffield, uh, he's the CEO of pioneer, um, a, a big oil company. He's saying that crude oil could hit $200, $200 a barrel. If there's a Western energy embargo yeah. on Russia and which um, we don't have yet. Uh, which which we don't have yet. And I'm, I'm a big follower of, uh, politics and obviously we don't want the show to go that way but i'm just bringing this up because it's about oil all the news yeah yeah all the news on the political shows today was that the left and the right are pressuring the white house to stop buying oil from russia uh for for our country and the white house is trying to figure out ways to get a supply of oil that would make up for that this guy scott sheffield is saying you can't basically but the White House has been the one kind of party in our country that's been hesitant to do that, obviously, because uh, if they if they stop doing that, we're going to have a lot of high prices in this country and a lot of inflation from that oil. And it's going to go to a crazy number. And that's that's tough to do, whoever you are, if you're sitting in the White House. And and it's not just the U.S., by the way. There's a lot of a lot of countries are still. They're putting kind of they're they're doing sanctions around everything except buying energy from Russia because yep. inflation is a political killer for anyone. Um, so what happens there will obviously have big implications, definitely in the short term, and we'll see yeah. what happens in the long term. Um, 
though I do kind of wonder there's there's almost a I don't, I don't want to call it euphoria but there's a lot of energy move and I didn't mean to <laughs> there's a lot of energy going towards energy well you know <laughs> early, of- earlier in the show Jack you used the word violence in a very I uh, I, 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 I recognized that when I had yeah. said it I'm like yeah I don't I don't want to make like, a joke <laughs> and then I didn't make a joke because it obviously wasn't intentional yeah but yeah there's a you lot of uh, you can't stop yourself you're just a no, machine can't. yeah it just happens uh, it's total natural um you were saying there's a lot there's of a, there's a, uh, i'm wondering excitement. if n- now that oil's cracking hundred dollars a barrel michael someone's saying two hundred dollars a barrel is are we now approaching euphoria territory no, with no, oil? no we are still in a depressed oil market in this country sure. uh people hate oil uh, there's just institutional pressure against investing in it shareholders investors without any inclinations to uh invest based on like their social issues and stuff um and environment they've hated oil because they got burned in the mid uh 2010s with the shale uh production growth and no mm-hmm. one got cash except the managements um yep. so that and the, the the companies in this country the the public ones they're still not growing their production and there's even a weird thing where like they don't they've got a little beef with the the administration they don't feel like they're being treated the right way and now they're being asked to save everybody so uh we're not there yet we definitely will get there if oil prices stay above 100 people will drill and uh everyone will start making a ton of money but um we're just not there yet yeah there's that the the blowback against production is gonna that's gonna be a big when you can't bring on the supply that you need relative to demand you're gonna keep getting higher prices but um we I, i i hate to interrupt but I would love to interrupt because gotta we interrupt. got a super chat. We got a super chat from Jaunty. Yeah, but that's um, not that's not ten, Jack. What? I th- I thought you had a threshold on Australian dollars. <laughs> they had to be ten because they're so weak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought I thought with and all that we were at we were at ten for Australia. But no, I'm sorry. Go yeah, we chat. were considering implementing that. But we we decided not to. Yeah. But he um. Asking about Micron. Um, yeah, we haven't talked Micron? about Micron in quite some time. Have we really ever talked that in detail on Micron? I don't think we have. I don't think too much about. It's Micron. always just kind of, it always kind of floats around the the value space. A bunch of people have it, and then we <laughs> just yeah, like that, yeah, I own that's Micron. exactly that's exactly my experience as someone who's had like a seven to eight percent position in Micron. I just sold a little bit to bring it down to like five percent because I'm in it. It's a shameless clone. I don't think that much about it. I don't really know what the deal is there. I know people say that they're in demand and there's not a lot of competition and that prices are going to stay high and they're going to make all this money and kind of still waiting for that. But that's where I'm at with it. John T, what would you like to know about Micron? Just throw out a, a follow-up to that one. Uh, well, Rohan, I would, well, I would, yeah, I would want to know. What... I, I put a link uh, regarding that announcement a little higher up. So hopefully you can open that. Is it more of a, a like a tailwind sort of thing? And just in, I think Monish has said like, something to the effect it's like a tax on cloud or it's a tax on the internet data centers. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I looked at um Intel recently, and um, what I said is that when I looked at their presentation, it was like reading Spanish for me. <laughs> uh, because I understood a little bit of it, but not enough. And I kind of feel the same way with, with Micron. Karan, are you in Micron? Jason, what's your largest holding at the moment? 
uh, races. Uh, well, it fluctuates uh, like a lot of things fluctuate <laughs> in, in dollar terms, especially when you have races. Yeah, yeah it's going to. Uh, but I've got kind of a big four. Uh, I've got races. Um, I've got Ring Energy. I've got Prosys, and I've got Apple. And just so everybody knows, I'm up a lot in Apple. Okay, I know you can talk about races. You can talk about pros. I made a lot of money on Apple. So, so, so does so did anyone who owns Berkshire as well? Yep. Yep. So yeah, those are my those are my big four, and th- those are kind of the ones that I don't really uh, sell to to buy other stuff. And then I, it's weird. I, those are my big four. Then I've got this mix of another three or four, like what was Change Healthcare. I sold it. Pedevco, um, Micron, Greenbrick Partners. Those are kind of the ones where I'm willing to sell if I see something else. I got a pitch for you guys, at, by the way, whenever you want to get Ooh. to it. I need help. I need your help, you great uh, roundtable of investors. I'm thinking about buying a company on Monday. Wow. So Okay, what's the company? All right. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need permission from, from the host here. Is it a good time? Well, Jonti did ask if, uh, just to respect his his generous super chat, um, if anyone has done an intrinsic value calculation on Micron. Um, Seems like there's a lot of growth that you'd have to predict in there. That would make it kind of difficult. It's pretty shameless. It was a shameless clone, Jonti. It is is strange because it's one of those like more techie investments that a lot of uh, our value camp likes to steer away from. That's why it's, I always find it kind of funny how that's, that's always in there. It, not always, but often in, in portfolios. There's quite a good discussion on uh, Micron on this channel called value investor TV, VITV, I think it's called. That's it. Yeah. That's the one I was going to point Sunil, to. Sunil, someone. Yep. Sunil, Sunil Shah. Yeah. yeah check he's out. Got his, uh, he's got a couple of videos on VITV. Mm-hmm. All right. And he goes in depth into what he sees as the prospects for Micron. And I think he was buying around the same time as Lilu was. So something we should all remember is somewhat uh cloners. Uh I think Lilu uh and maybe Monish, weren't they buying Micron a lot when it was like at thirty or forty versus today's prices? Eighty. Yeah. And that's when Seth Larman was selling, I think. Around the same price. At thirty or forty. Yeah, I think Seth Lerman was buying around well, like I, I, he, six he got or like eight 10, or something. Yeah, below ten. Yeah. So, I think Sandeep kind of summed it up there. He says it's moving from cyclical to structural. I think that's kind of the bull case on Micron. That right. my mm. understanding with whatever they what they sell the uh, the memory, it used it was very cyclical the prices, and um, now it's not going to drop as low. I think is what the bull say. Or and or when it does drop, that Micron's still going to make money. So, right. All right. Yeah, yeah Shashi and uh, Rohan hit me up on on Twitter. I'll try to get you that announcement. Well, thank you, Jonti. And uh, yes, thank you, Jonti. Thank you, Jonti. I don't know if Jonti knows about my jokes with Frank and Australian. I didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> yes. Uh, your money's always good here. <laughs> when, um, what a, I think to wrap up, Jason, maybe you can give your your pitch if if it, if we can call it that for what you're looking to potentially buy on Monday. Well, I'm kind of looking for you guys to kind of slap me in the face and tell me uh, if I'm crazy or if uh, I, what I'm seeing is kind of true. That's my favorite thing to do. So let's let's get into it. <laughs> can we guess what it is? 
Yeah. Uh, hold on, Karan. I, I didn't hear you. Your screen froze up, so I didn't hear what you would guess. Is it Zim? No, it's not Zim. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say there's a 0% chance you will be able to guess what it is, but that was pretty darn close. It's uh, it's one of Zim's... Um, uh, suppliers. Suppliers, yeah. Uh, and or customer, I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, there's a company called Navios Maritime Partners. LP and uh, they're selling for about a billion dollar market cap. They've got about a billion dollars of net debt. So their enterprise value is 2 billion. Uh, They are a shipping company. They're in three different spaces in shipping. They're in container shipping, which is what you would think of when you think of shipping that all those stacked up boxes, which uh, prices have just gone through the roof uh, during the pandemic. But they also have a line of vessels that are in uh, tankers, like oil and uh, chemical and stuff. And then they also have uh, dry something. I forget what it's called. But they have dry goods or whatever, where it's like stuff like grain or coal or whatever. You just fill up a ship uh, with dry goods. So they're they're diversified in the sense that they're in three different areas of shipping. And the prices, by the way, for those three areas of shipping are very different. Uh, the other two areas are not at all time highs. Um, and they're run by someone with a long history and a long family history in the shipping industry. I believe she's she's from Greece. Uh, the company's based in Monaco, France. Um, and they are the largest shipping company that's listed in the United States in terms of their fleet size. Um, and they're like number six in the world. Uh, getting to the interesting stuff here. They, if you look at Seeking Alpha and you look at their earnings, they're selling for a PE of less than two on this year's earnings, 2022. And they're selling for a PE of less than two on next year's earnings. They have $2.7 billion of contracted revenue. A lot of that revenue, $2 billion of the $2.7 billion, comes from very large companies. And contracted over how long? Sorry. Does it say? Uh, yeah, they have a schedule on their. I think what more interesting thing to pull up would be their presentation, maybe, um, if you guys want to go that deep. Um, but uh, they, um, they, they, they have a schedule for that, Jack. A lot of it is in the next uh, year or two, but it does go out to 2027 and beyond. Mm. 400 million of it is 2027 and beyond. Um, okay. And they also list the value of their vessels. And apparently, vessels could the ticker. Oh my gosh, we're looking I've got at a pulled up right here. Yeah, it's called someone left a comment. NMM. NMM. And um, pull up the ten-year price chart, Jack. Sure. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> what happened? I now that know. that not might not tell the story. It might. I'm not sure. They, they there's apparently at some point there were five or six public companies that had the word Navios or something mentioned in them. So they it's been a very confusing structure. Sure. Uh, for the market. But um, now they've consolidated those, except for there's one other one out there that's very small. Um, apparently, the price of vessels uh, is kind mm-hmm. of like, I think it's kind of like a known kind of commodity, a known kind of public price that fluctuates. They list the the price of their, the value of their vessels uh, is what I should say. The value fluctuates and it's kind of like a track thing, I think. They put the value of their vessels at $5 billion. And the debt, I believe, is tied – it might even be tied at a vessel-by-vessel level. I'm not sure. 
but they value the, the their debt is like 1.5 billion. And so if you take the current value of their vessels minus their debt, it's like $3.5 billion of value. Hmm. This the company is selling for a billion. And uh they might earn back the entire market cap over the next 24 months. Um, and they also have a lot of open capacity um that's not fixed on uh, the non-container stuff. And they talk about like this year, about uh, uh, like maybe a little over half, like 54% or something like that of their vessel day-by-day capacity is contracted out already at rates that are locked in. But like 40-something percent of their capacity is not. Um, and they say like of our 54% of re- revenue that's booked, we already cover our, our expenses. And so, um, yeah, so it's a very, very interesting situation. The other factor is in the shipping industry, it's very volatile. Some mm-hmm. I've, I've been talking a lot about this um, and uh, on YouTube, and I've been getting a lot of people around the world that have been educating me on the industry. And they said, hey, you got to be careful with vessel levels, just like the, the rates change, data, uh, like the day rates and containers mm-hmm. through the roof right now. Those rates go down. We've talked. We've seen Monish talk about this with frontline shipping, and there's right. videos out there. And when those rates go down, the the value of the vessels go down as well. And so those do fluctuate. It's not like that five billion could just stay five billion. Um, so, so you got to so be careful. The value of the vessels really linked. It's like a it's like a cap rate, almost like a rental property of sorts. Exactly. And it's tied exactly. to income. It's tied to income, and the the, okay. the rates actually do change in terms of what you can sell those vessels for during bad times. All right. Um, so it's a very cyclical industry. In part of the industry, we're at all time highs right now. The question is, are those rates going to come back down? Everyone seems to think they are, um, because of it's all pandemic related. But how far down are they going to come? That's a question. And when will that happen? That's a question. Um, the other interesting thing about this company is is the CEO. Um, Angeliki, I think is her name. Um, Frank Wow, I think, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, you can look it up there. Something tells me you're not, but that's okay. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, Brad, <laughs> r- respectfully, I've spent the last 72 <laughs> hours of my life, uh, living in this company like just all day long. Good. I've been obsessed, yeah. So, um, Angeliki, I think that's her name. Um, I watched two. Two recent interviews with her, uh-huh. and um, she strikes me as a person whose brain is working. Cool. A lot of people's brains aren't working in this world. She sounds like true. a rational person who's, whose brain is working. And the big <laughs> deal with her and the industry is it's a very cyclical industry. Private ship companies do well. Public ship companies have not done well because shareholders want their money. They make money in good times, and they want them to pay out huge dividends her point is, if you do that and we pay out all the money, then when things go down, we're not going to have a, we're not going to be able to take advantage. There's no cushion. Yeah. There's no cushion, and our our loan to value is going to skyrocket, and we're going to have trouble with banks, and we can't take advantage of the downturn. And she says, no, we're diversified this company into three different lines. We're going to keep money in house primarily, and we're going to grow this business because it's all about scale. And we're going to take advantage when um, there's blood in the streets. And I love that strategy. The, some of the market hates it because they're they're not going to get their big dividends like they can with some other companies in the industry. Mm-hmm. 
but I've fallen in love. And I've rationalized that love saying that I could buy this company. We can earn back the whole investment in two years. It's protected on the downside with that uh, vessel value versus debt. I know that can fluctuate. Maybe it's not protected to the extent I think. But then after that, I get the company for free and I have got a good manager. I've fallen in love, but um, that's the situation. I don't know if I'm going to buy it yet. Matt asked, and then I'll shut up. I read an article. He asked, how did you find it? I read an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal about shipping rates being the current thing that might drive inflation. And then they mentioned some names like Maersk, the biggest company. And then I looked that up. Then I looked at peers on Seeking Alpha and I had the thought, uh, why don't I just look for companies in the space that have like hardly any debt? Then I found this company called Zim. Then I got all excited about Zim because like it just looks like it's at a crazy low PE and they're paying out huge dividends and they're making a ton of money. But then I saw this other company, Navios, and um, I fell in love with Angeliki. My my, qu- my quick question would be how much do those uh... – uh, ship values swing. Um, like, are we talking about like it could it could go down to a third of what it is now, or are we or like a ten percent drop? Like, what what are we really talking about? If if, if it ain't ten percent, my my not only by the way, not only is it like you, you have these asset values change, but they cost a ton of money apparently to keep up. It's not like a moving truck that you can okay. just go park somewhere. They cost a lot of money to keep up. Sure. And my my sense is, it can get brutal in this industry. Um, and Monish talked about it with Frontline. He said rates are high, so then they contract for new ships, and it takes two to four years for those ships to be built. Then they hit the market right at the time when rates are coming uh, down, and then it just brings on even more overcapacity and uh, boom and bust. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, hey, did you have you read the Shipping Man, Jason? No, no. That's one that Pabrai recommended for understanding the shipping industry. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have to look for that. I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna get that tonight. Awesome. I've got an Amazon uh, gift card, so I'm gonna. There it is. It you know how yeah. to use it now. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, a super chat, Jack. Yeah. Yes. Um. I like I like the I like the pitch, Jason. That that's enticing. So I well, I mean, Jack. You, I mean, you 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 love the deep value stuff. I know you do. So <laughs> of course, yeah. Cheap. But cheap what about what about the wonderful business owners, Brad and Karan? Do you guys think I'm crazy <laughs> to get into the shipping to dip my toe in the water? I, I have no idea about shipping, so like I'm just going off what you just told me, and it sounds good. <laughs> hey, from my perspective, as long as you learn something, Jason, it's it's not a loss, even if it doesn't work out. Right. Okay. Um, let's get to the super chat and then we'll wrap it up here from Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. A question for all when deciding on investment allocation, do you choose a stock portfolio percentage or net worth percentage or either? Depends how much I want to rationalize my investment decision. Jack's got most of his wealth in his, in his house, right, Jack? So that would Uh, would skew. Well, houses, I suppose. Um, (laughs) There you go. Yeah, let's see. So that my was a stock, flex for my those stock of you portfolio. Who didn't, don't yeah, know how to yeah. recognize. <laughs> my, my stock portfolio is, uh, if you include my retirement accounts, I think is around like 150, 150 grand. But then if you add up all my property values, they're like 600 ish. But then there's debt on the properties, obviously. So way more of my portfolio risk is technically in real estate, just on a dollar amount. Um, plus, you get the debt there as well. Um, Jack, when you do hit that million mark, and it's mm-hmm. all public. Everybody you know, including me, we're all just going to be asking you for money. 
Because we know, we'll, we'll know you have. Be like, we'll be like, I don't have any. Literally, I don't have any. It's all tied up in. It's all tied up in properties. Like I don't have any. Take you know, out a, a HELOC, Jack. Take yeah. out a HELOC. Yeah, yeah. Pay, pay my pay my people with debt. <laughs> That's sustainable. <laughs> Dividends on debt. Yeah. Um, low rates. They're low. I rates. had a question actually on my recent episode. It was like, how? Um, uh, and basically asking like friends, friends and family seeing this. Like, are you comfortable with that? I'm like, well kind of have to be if i've been doing it for a while now um and so far so far it's people have been very supportive anyone who cares is supportive and anyone who doesn't care well they don't care so it's uh, i haven't had any negative feedback to this point and frankly if anyone were really like be rooting against me uh we're probably not friends at that point so um so far it's been good we'll see i think i i uh i responded to that comment saying like we'll see what happens when i'm uh, financially independent uh, super villain and if, if anything changes <laughs> we'll see what happens then if i change my character the I'm morally reprehensible right, jack <laughs> so uh but to answer the question uh right now my investment allocation largely depends on how much cash i have available which is i'm basically it's cash in cash out to pay pay for investments right now so it's kind of whatever's on hand and occasionally i'll trim positions if I really want to add to one and I don't really care about another like equity Commonwealth is one that's pretty much just a cash pile um, with some potential equity upside. Um, And I will like, I'll trim from that first and then move into something else if I don't have any cash available. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but I I don't really think too much about like, Oh, what percent of my net worth is this at least yet just because I'm constantly adding still that'll, I'm sure that will change as the portfolio grows. How about yep. you, Karan? Yeah, I look at it as stock portfolio percentage. Oh. I The only company I looked at it as a net worth percentage was GameStop, and that was pretty much it. Like, no, it's just stock portfolio. That was a big swing at the time. Yeah, it was like 40% of my net worth. So. Was it, wasn't it like a couple a uh, couple years couple years salary, if I remember correctly, um, at the time? Yeah, yeah, every whatever savings I had were in it. So. And then this, this was before the whole uh, mm-hmm. meme stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. This was like um, in August. Around. What, what so was six, seven? What months. was what was the margin of safety, or what? Like what? What did you? Because I know you always think about the downside. Well, the cash so, was yeah, higher had, than the. Oh, was it? Was price, it? A, right? Was it a cash play? Completely, yeah. So yeah. they had enough cash to pay off the debt plus buy back the entire company, and yeah. Wow. And they had bought back like one third of the shares outstanding. And plus, yeah, short interest, everything. All that was there. <laughs> you know, I see some uh, selling for net or, or for less than cash companies every now and then uh, when I'm looking, like every now and then, but um, actually more than I thought I would find. But what always worries me is when I see losses um, associated with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like you don't know how long that cash will be there. They're just going to bleed it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but then the apes came. <laughs> So I kind of take a Berkshire Hathaway approach. Um, I, I even keep cash uh, out of the portfolio, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Berkshire keeps their cash totally separate, and it's to pay off uh, any insurance problems that could arise. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look at my own life that way. Like uh, I've got stuff that could happen in life at any time, and I want to have cash around. And so I very much focus on like an, a, a stock portfolio uh, and, a, and like stock in the full word there uh, position. And 
sometimes I would want to have more cash in that portfolio as an actual percentage position in there. But I just, um, the more I've kind of learned about investing in the last couple of years, the less I've been tempted to do that. And I've been more fully invested. And the more I listen to like Warren Buffett and guys like that talk about, especially their early days when they had a, a bigger universe to invest in, um, it sounds like they, it was very, very rare for them to have a lot of cash built up. Full offense, no need yeah. for defense at that, that stage. Go ahead, Karan. Yeah, have you heard uh, Tom's podcast with Guy? Did you guys check it out? Yep. I, I watch every one of Tom's videos. It was so good. The way he explained like how he looks at capital allocation, the mm-hmm. 5%. And are you talking about the water up to your knees, up to your neck? Yep. Yeah, that I, I really, like that. really hit yeah. home with me. It was a great visual. And I honestly, when I came back into Seritage, uh the other day, um, I was not comfortable with Seritage at like 7 or 8% or 10% or 12% previously, but 5% kind of felt like water at my knees. And I did think about guy there. Um, so it was a great, great, uh, great thing we learned. Nice. And yeah. Brad, I want to take us home on this one. Oh, same. I mean, stock portfolio percent. That's, that's kind of how I, how I look at allocation. Uh, but I wanted to mention, have you guys seen Phil Towns cash position right now? It's like 50%. And then you look at Munger, who's taken out margin debt. You know, well, it's 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 well, funny to see well, how different he, he's got that options be. portfolio though. So that cash is tied up, right? Yeah, it's true. I don't know if we can see exactly how much. Yeah, of it's hard is tied to, up. It's hard to say. You'd have to do a lot of math to figure out what's. But tied I up. I think the options are pretty low. I think he's got a lot of cash sitting there. Mm-hmm. So it's just. It's and really he's got gold gold on top of that, right? Which is sort of like a gold is in there. I'm, I'm including that as like a stock. Yeah. You could you could make an argument that's more more like cash too, um, but yeah, um, cool. All right, guys, we're at an hour, hour and a half here. Um, Ooh, yes. Th- thank you, Aaron, for the super chat. Always yes, appreciate thank you, it. Aaron. Thank getting, you. getting some more, uh, uh, getting some more exposure for to the, Malay- the Malaysia ringets. <laughs> ringets. I think I think most of our super chats have been in. No, or have they been in Australian dollars? I don't even non-US know. Non-US currency. I, I think, yeah, most it's been mostly non-US. Uh, but no, 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 not the ones for me. And I, th- <laughs> I think I've point. been funding most we, we of gotta, them, We got to include you, Jason. Yeah, yeah, you, you've, you. you've, had a, you've had a lot. Uh, I get into the show. It's Friday night. I'm laid back. We're having fun. Ding, 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 ding. Bye, bye, bye. And then <laughs> like Monday, a, you, you I look at my email. You should have done a super chat right now and like get your own question in there. That would have been I, great. I thought about it. <laughs> but then Monday, I see my emails come in from YouTube and it's like credit card charge, credit card charge. Like, hey, I should, I should send a 12 it? pack to your house. We, I got to get your address later just to yeah. loosen you up a little bit more. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Luis Make asking me. if you can super chat in rubles. That would... Uh, now, I mean, give it a try, Luis. Give yeah, it a try. I, if you did it a week ago, it'd be a little upsetting now, but now it's it's already been destabilized, so whatever. <laughs> the loss <laughs> has taken place. Cool. Um, all right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you, Jason, uh, for yeah. the short notice coming out. I always appreciate that. Awesome. Um, and and it, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see if our, our guy's down under. We'll be back in. Uh, Tom's on the house hunt again, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see if he, he has some news from the front. If he, if he ends up, should move to Dallas. Yeah, Greenberg's got homes for sale. He, yeah, so yeah, Austin, come on, come on Austin, to Texas. The in Austin, so he's got to go to Austin or Atlanta. <laughs> Get some green. I think green, Tom uh, was well in Nebraska, like you know, <laughs> Nebraska. Um, 
Otherwise, everyone, uh, please like, subscribe, all that great stuff. Check out the links in the description, including our Discord, uh, which is very lively right now, given all, all the things that are going on. And yeah, that's all I got. See everyone. Tea time after dinner investor YouTube. I'll be on there tonight, five days a week. Shh.